Hello and welcome to the Green Industry Podcast with Paul Jamison. This show is all about helping lawn care and landscape professionals take your business to the next level. Paul is the author of three best-selling books, including Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, and his brand new book, 101 Proven Ways to Increase Efficiency and Make More Money in Lawn Care. Now available on Audible and narrated by Mr. Producer. Here's your host, Paul Jamison. All right, you guys, back on the program today from Elkhorn Lawn Care in Nebraska, James Mansky. Welcome back to the program, James. Hey, Paul. Appreciate having me on. I'm excited to share today. Yes, and I'm excited for this topic. It is sales. This is one of my favorite, favorite topics. So this is going to be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny how this this one topic can be spread in every industry, every department, every division of everybody's company, and it's so fun. Um, so I'm excited to dive into it today with you. Yeah, I uh, last night uh, Dan Kennedy put me to bed. I, I was on a Dan Kennedy binge, just listening to to sales tips all night long till I fell asleep. So, who who are some of your influences or, or training of of how you've grown to be a better salesman? Are there are there any uh, folks that have kind of influenced you? Yeah, for sure. Grant Cardone has been one of my my mentors in that aspect. I spent a lot of time with them um, and his team and everything. And even Donald Trump, when I was young, like one of my first business books when I was in middle school, I believe my grandpa gave me a Donald Trump book before he was even thinking about presidency and everything. So um, there's a lot of good salespeople out there. And you can take one good thing from each of them or a lot from one if you like one's approach better. So there's so many sales books out there. There's so much good information. So I, I recommend just always fine tuning and continuing your education in sales. It's a lifelong skill. Absolutely. Well, like you said, it transcends industries. No no matter what you're selling, the principles are what worked in the 1800s worked in, you know, 1920s and it works in our decade. It's just some of the tactics change with technology and, and, and the way we can interact with the customer, but the psychology behind selling, it, it really is, time tested. And so I really look forward to kind of what you've learned, not just in a classroom or at the poker table with Grant Cardone or whatever, but in your business, like what works, what doesn't, what produces the best results and uh, the highest profit. So let's dive uh, right into this sales training 101 with James Mansky. Take it away. Yeah. No matter what, I mean, everywhere you go, you have to be wearing your sales hat, right? Because you don't know who you're going to bump into. You don't know what you're going to come across. So a, it's always being presentable. You don't want to look like a a scrub if you're going out and you run into a home builder that has over 500 homes, right? So for me, everywhere I go, I strike up conversations, whether it's at dinner, whether it's at the store. Um, I was at a car wash yesterday, getting my car detailed on the inside. I was talking to a guy right next to me, talked about what he did. And we exchanged information while we're just waiting for our cars to be done. So you never need to take off or you never should take off your sales hat. Every single person you meet in life in passing is a potential new customer or it's somebody that's going to lead you to a potential new customer or your best customer ever or biggest customer ever. So if you always look at it that way, that every person you're going to run into is a new lead or referral for a new lead that just changes the whole game because you can't just always focus on, you know, network or email marketing or door hangers. Like this is where you need to 
get yourself out there in the community and also think about where are the people that you want as customers going? Where are they shopping? Where are they getting their cars washed? Where are they eating out at dinner? What are they doing with their families? Because you want to be around those people. Do you want to be around the people that own the businesses that own the $5 million plus houses? Or do you want to be around the people that only pay $25 a week on yard care? So just putting yourself in those atmospheres, in those ecosystems, is going to, no matter what, build your sales leads, your your new leads, your new referrals. $5 million houses in Nebraska. They it's got crazy. those out there? It's crazy. I, well, I, in today's prices, yes. Maybe a couple of years ago, it probably would have been one. You never know. Okay. Like in Atlanta, like a $1.2 million house, you're living like an absolute baller. It's like in LA or San Jose or where all these people from California are coming to Atlanta in drones. But, uh, you know, you got minimal living out there for a $1.2 million house. You come to Atlanta, man, you're living like an absolute king. So, yeah, I guess in Nebraska, the 5 million gets you a lot of land, right? Okay, but then it gets you a lot of pool space. It gets you a shooting range in your basement. It gets you whatever you want. So, um, that same house in California probably would have been 20 plus million. Yeah. But the the point is, those are the customers that more than likely it's going to make sense to be on that property servicing that customer. And lo and behold, their friends are typically in the same, you know, network of people when they have a pool party or a, they're down in the basement, you know, it has, has the friends over. The friends are usually uh, potentially great customers as well. And then they're like, man, this place is looking spectacular. Oh yeah, Elkhorn takes care of it. And then boom, just like that. So I couldn't agree more. What are some other uh, strategies you have for for new leads other than the business exchange card at the car wash? Yeah, and honestly, I don't even pass out business cards anymore. I don't carry them. I have my phone with three cards and an ID in it. I mean, like credit cards or debit cards. Um, so I'm getting their information right away. Hey, let me shoot you an email. What's your email address? But I'm also making note in my phone after they leave, or I email myself everything. So I'll say, Hey, I'm, this is reach out to John with XX builders. He's got this and this and this, here's his email. So that way I can just go back later when I'm in the office or that night and send him all the information. Thanks for meeting me. It was great to connect. How can I help your business? Like I know so-and-so that are looking to build a house. So I'm always trying to a, what benefit can I give them first? right? Before I even try to pitch anything of what I can help them with. But maybe there's some things that they need help from my service. Maybe they're unhappy with who they've got. Maybe they're looking for a new partnership. So you have to just constantly ask questions that kind of goes into the fact finding. What are they, what are they um, looking for? What are they struggling with? What issues have they had in the past? What can you fill that void to help them, you know, be more comfortable? What can you take off their plate? What can you do to allow them to focus on what they need to focus on instead of yard work, instead of snow work? Like, would they rather spend time with their family on the weekend for an hour or mow their grass? And that's an easy one for a lot of people to see the benefit. Can they be making more money per hour doing what they are good at or mowing the lawn where they might pay us a hundred dollars, but it could take them three hours to mow that same grass that same yard for a hundred dollars that they could be doing so much more productive stuff or spend time with the family. Yeah, totally. 
you have a little uh, sheet of notes from some of the trainings that you do. And, and I see on your notes, you have new leads. And then that goes into fact finding that you both uh, mentioned a little bit of those. But is there anything else you want to elaborate on, on, on recruiting new leads and, and what you mean by fact finding in the sales process? Yeah, as, as far as new leads, I mean, they're coming in from everywhere, right? There's going to be a lot of referrals. And that's why it's so important to take care of your current customer base and not just do one job, do one landscape project, and then forget about them. Or you mow this person for five years, but you never talk to them. Hey, who else in your neighborhood would benefit from this type of work? Or what would you refer us to? Um, and talk to the neighbors of the current customers because they see you on site every week or after a project, and you can easily talk to them. And there's ways to even find out their information without knocking on their door. So you could send them a letter. You could say, hey, we've already taken care of the Joneses, the Smiths, and everybody else on your street. How about giving us the opportunity to quote your project or your, your lawn care. So you have to be really creative, but I still think that referrals and word of mouth and, and just meeting people in your area that you want to do business. Those are like the top marketing efforts and easiest that they don't cost any money. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that's free to everybody that you can utilize on a weekend, on a night, whenever, whenever you have free time. So the new leads are, are coming in from every angle. You shouldn't just rely on one either. Yeah, that's so good. I was, as I was mentioning last night, I'm single, so I don't have a, a wife to hang out with a night or whatever. So I would, I watched Dan Kennedy's videos of uh, sales strategies, <laughs> but he was talking about, and then guys, had, you know, his rate for a sales call, like if a new client wants to hire him is like $2 million to sit down and uh, you know, he works with multi-billion dollar businesses, but he'll, he'll create a good um, marketing campaign for them. And they'll come to him and like, Oh, we need a new ad or we need a new strategy or whatever. And a lot of times what he discovers is, they ha they're already leaving tons of money on the table with their current customers. And instead of going out and getting new, fresh, new, cold customers, like how much money is there from our existing customers or maybe the customers that didn't end up buying, but, you know, you have their information and, uh, you know, really making sure that you're not leaving money on the table with all of that. So I, that was something I you kind of mentioned I took away from old Dan last night. Yeah, and that's huge. I mean, that's I go over that in my book too, thinking horizontally where what other corollaries, what other offerings can you give to your current customers before going out to new? Because to acquire a new customer is so much more expensive than focusing on your current customer base and offering them something else. You know, if you're only mowing, they're probably getting fertilizing from somebody else that they would rather just give to you or snow removal or landscape maintenance. But if you're already on site, if you already have that relationship with them, you can easily take care of all their needs. And that's what we focus on. We want to be one contractor that takes care of everything 12 months out of the year for that customer. So it's not always about finding the next big customer because your current customers could probably create in excess of what that new customer would bring in anyways, by just one question, one ask. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just upselling and cross-selling the current customers, I think is, is important to make sure we've, thoroughly gone through that before we get too antsy about new, new, new. Um, after we get the new lead fact, we're going through the fact finding, kind of find out what they want or need. Uh, what's the estimating process like in your business that works the best for y'all? 
Yeah. So the, the fact finding and estimating kind of goes hand in hand. I, for me, because you're, you're identifying what issues they have or what they're trying to fix or what they're trying to solve, whatever problem that is. And like I said, it's either spending more time with their family. Maybe it's a commercial building and they want to just make it presentable and have curb appeal for their patrons or their customers coming in. So from that, you're going to take all that data, all that information of when you're meeting one-on-one or on the phone with them and creating that estimate for them. So the estimating, I mean, all these new programs, job or QuickBooks, there's so many that will help with that, that make it so much easier than back in the day. Um, but your estimate needs to also break down everything that you went over with them. So what I recommend too is everything you talked about with them, maybe is in one line item or a couple line items, mowing or landscape maintenance. But then what I do is we'll even put a, a subtotal and then optional add-on services can be listed below. So you only really wanted these two things, but also we offer fertilizing. We offer landscape weed spraying. I saw that you have um, fine line buckthorns and they're going to get Japanese beetles here in the next couple of weeks. So show them all the other stuff as well that would benefit them, that you know that they're going to need down the road, especially if they're getting, if they want to quote for sprinkler turn on or sprinkler maintenance right now is sprinkler winterization on their, on their mind right now? No, but they should do that as well. Otherwise they're going to have a bunch of problems. So you're always showing them and informing them what's next, what's next, what other stuff do they need to keep in the back of their mind before that time actually comes. So I would always recommend putting those uh, optional add-on services, even if it's on a new estimate to say, here's your original estimate, but you also probably need to look at this, 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 this. That's so good, James. That's, that's genius. Where'd you, where'd you learn that one from? Honestly, it's just people calling in and it's, it's finding out what, what the next thing that they need to do, because a lot of people will move to Nebraska or move to Omaha or move to Atlanta. They don't know what they need to do. So we're informing them with the other optional stuff. And if one out of 10 signs up for it, great, but it took no time to add that stuff in there. And if it's just a simple, it's gotta be related to what you currently met them with. Right. So if they're just a fertilizing customer, then aeration overseeding is a, is an easy upsell or pest control, perimeter pest control. Like that's going to show more benefit with the fertilizing than anything else. You don't want to say, here's your estimate for fertilizing. And then here's a landscape patio estimate, right? It just doesn't make sense. So what matches up to each other? What's a corollary to each other? That's still going to benefit what their original ask was. That's so good. And so how do you go from there to an actual proposal and, and finalizing all the details? And, and can you walk us kind of like your, your sales process? Yeah, they, so there's a couple different things with, if it's landscaping, they're getting an actual proposal with a contract and designs and here's kind of the layout. Here's how you pay everything like that. So landscaping is a whole different beast. Um, for, everything else, QuickBooks, we use QuickBooks for everything, QuickBooks online. So it makes it so much easier just, okay, here's the estimates, let's get it accepted and then get it to the production team or the operations team to get that scheduled. But for a lot of bigger clients, a lot of bigger commercial, what we like to do is meet with them or over the winter or the fall, or even right now, I just put over a couple actually yesterday where I'm taking that, I'm creating a a detailed proposal agreement 
that has their company logo, everything on it. It looks professional. It comes in a PDF and it lists out all of their services. And then at the bottom, I'm not listing out how much mowing is every week. I'm not listing out how much each fertilizing application is every week. I'm saying, here's everything for the rest of the season divided by how many months. Here's your monthly budget. Here's how much you you can plan that it's not going to exceed because all of these commercials, all of these larger houses are trying to stay under a monthly payment plan per se, right? They know how much income they're creating. They need to know how much they need to spend. So if they're going to spend a thousand dollars a month for the rest of the year, they'd rather see that than July is 2000, August is 900. And it just goes ebbs and flows every single month, depending on the service. So I'm trying to split it all up, spread it out. So that way they know, okay, X amount for the next seven months or right now for the rest of this year. Mm -hmm. Great. Let's sign up. So there's no confusion. If it's in the winter time, I like it even more because then we can do it 12 even payments. Everything's going to be taken care of. There's no worries. We're taking care of everything on your property. That's so good. How, after you send that PDF, how do you then kind of seal the deal and, and officially you know, maybe collect their payment information and, and sign the dotted line. Like, Hey, I'd like to move forward with you guys providing the service for our property. So that, that proposal is an agreement. It's a proposal agreement, right? So at the bottom, there is a signature line. They either sign on like a DocuSign or just PDF, like PDF. Everybody has access to sign for free. Um, on the right hand side, you can fill in sign, save it, and then send it back. And we'll attach an ACH form to every estimate. Even if it's mowing, even if it's a sprinkler service job, we're attaching an ACH because if we can get the customer's checking account information or credit card information, that saves time on the accounts receivable team from having to try to collect down the road. So once they fill all that out, it comes back. I sign it, send it out the executed agreement, and then they're ready to roll. So it's pretty quick. It's just making sure all your X's and O's are, are covered in the agreement first. So I recommend, I mean, everybody's different, every state's different. So sitting down with a um, your attorney or a CPA, like whoever can help you just to organize that. So you have one template that you can easily just change a couple words or take out a couple services. And it's it's streamlined where you don't have to spend a lot of time every time you do that. Remember how the riding mower was such a game changer? That's what Roll by ADP is going to be for the payroll business. It's a chat-based payroll app built for small business owners like you. Roll makes payroll ridiculously easy and you can do it anywhere, anytime. And it makes onboarding for new hires smoother than a freshly cut hedge. Roll lets employees and contractors submit employment forms, enroll in direct deposit, and more, saving you valuable time. Roll was designed for those who'd rather be outside working than stuck in an office. It calculates, withholds, and files taxes for you while letting you manage payroll from anywhere. And because it's a mobile payroll app, going digital will remove those boxes of papers in the trunk of your car. Ready to get rolled for your business? Green Industry Podcast listeners get their first three months free. Visit GetRoll.com slash Green Industry to get started. I do hope you're watching the Almonds Shop Build on Caleb and Brittany's YouTube channel. Hi, it's Mr. Producer. Seeing the construction of the Hardscape Academy's headquarters come to life is definitely cool and satisfying. 
This fall, the Hardscape Academy in beautiful Fairfield County, OHIO, opens its doors providing you and your team with hands-on training to improve skill sets and gain equipment mastery so you can supercharge your earnings potential. In the meantime, you can instantly access the Hardscape Academy's online training resources for paver installation, retaining walls, fire pits, step installation, or even schedule a one-on-one coaching call with the kid contractor himself. Visit thehardscapeacademy.com or use the link below to get the comprehensive guides and continuing education that will advance and empower your company today. That's thehardscapeacademy.com. Hey, landscaper, do you work hard all year for freedom but still feel as though your money controls you? Unfortunately, because you can't give bookkeeping your full energy or focus, it just sits there most nights untouched, continually haunting you? Because your business demands your time elsewhere, you need a personalized bookkeeping solution dedicated to your industry. Gulf Coast Bookkeeping, now known as the Landscaping Bookkeeper, is dedicated to giving your time and peace of mind back through our monthly bookkeeping service. You can begin this partnership with us today by going to gulfcoastbk.com and scheduling a 15-minute phone call. We want you to become a confident and informed business owner. We'll take care of your grain so you can take care of theirs. Schedule a 15-minute call today at gulfcoastbk.com. Hey guys, Paul here, and recently I've been excited about having Dr. Frank, my good friend and fellow business entrepreneur, as a reoccurring guest on the Green Industry Podcast because I wanted to tap into his marketing research knowledge and business expertise to uncover the secrets to growing a successful business. The response has been really good, so by popular demand, I've sat down with Dr. Frank to record extended sessions to put together a comprehensive e-training where we talk in depth about business building. Dr. Frank, why don't you say a few words about this new e-training we recently recorded? Sure, Paul. Here's how I would characterize your new e-training. It provides a complete roadmap. It shows you how to navigate your market, get new customers, keep existing customers, and also how to profit from many powerful strategies to structure and position your company to amazing profitability. Any business that masters these business building essentials will be successful. Well, thanks, Dr. Frank. And that's why I refer to my new e-training as a collection of key insights for effective business building. I call it how to get and keep customers. It is jam-packed with over four hours of engaging discussions with Dr. Frank containing hard-hitting business wisdom that you don't want to miss. So check it out today and see your business grow on the fast track with the how to get and keep customers e-training available at the Resource Center at thegreenindustrypodcast.com. And then what is your percentage, James, of either ACH on file or credit card on file out of all your customers? How many of those are you able to successfully secure their payment information, whether it's the ACH or the credit card? We've been we've been so big on improving that number year over year over year. So, A, we won't even take new fertilizing or mowing customers unless they have an ACH on file because we've been burned so many times. And we don't want to chase down small money. We don't want to chase down any money. But if we have the opportunity to bill a $70 fertilizing the day after it's done, then it makes everybody's life easier. So I would say we're probably about 60%, 60 to 70% of all of our clients. We have their banking information. And once we save that, it's input into QuickBooks right away. And then it just automatically, we can create a sales receipt, send it to them, bills, it's in the account the next day. 
when did you make this change to kind of put your foot down and say all new fertilizer lawn mowing com- customers, we have to have your, um, your banking information on file. When did you make that switch and, and how, how, since you made that switch, James, has there been pushback or, or have you been um, scoring pretty well with getting that information? I would say it's probably about four years ago, four or five years ago, but you're going to find that, I mean, we did have some pushback. Some people didn't want to, but we were getting so big and so many new customers were willing to do it that we said, okay, if you don't want to, you don't feel comfortable with it, we don't have to do services with you. So we kind of just made it an ultimatum. And of course we had some long-term 10 to 20 year customers that would still pay on time and they just didn't want that information out there. Mm-hmm. There's a tech, typically the older generation. Right. So, I mean, we did make exceptions for some of them, but we also looked at their past accounts. So we looked, okay, once an invoice was sent out, did they pay within the first couple of days? And most of those people did, or they mail in a check. So we did have some leeway with some of those people, but there were people that were never late, never had any late fees or anything like that. Um, so that, that helped out a lot too. So you grandfathered in the previous customers, specifically in the older generation, that's like, ah, oh, we're we'll just pay you with the check. But then you drew a line four years ago. And and when you have a new potential customer, you just say, Hey, sweet Sue, uh, we, we, you know, here's the price. And in order to start your service, we need to, you know, get your banking information. And if she's like, Oh my gosh, I can't give you my banking information then you don't, there's no negotiation. And you simply in a professional way say, well, this is our policy. So if you'd like to do business, we'll need to get that information. If not, you'll have to find another company. 100%. Because that person, I mean, what's the income from that one person for the year? Is it $500? Is it $300? Is it a thousand? Is that worth the headache of potentially not even getting a thousand dollars, right? Or $400 or whatever it is. So for us, we kind of just drew a, a line in the sand, like, is this even worth it? Or is it going to go to collections anyways? And we might get 50% of that money back if we get anything back. So we were just more of, okay, we'd rather deal with people that are trustworthy and like to do business with us and trust our process and policy program. Um, and it's something that it's made everybody's lives easier because then they don't even have to worry about writing out a check or mailing in a check. I mean, they can still do ACH online and and fill it all out too. So it doesn't have to go to us directly, but we didn't want to have to wait on somebody to pay for a service. I mean, everybody else is doing it. Right. You get a plumber that comes out, you get an HVAC guy that comes out, they need payment before they leave. And they don't care. Otherwise they're not going to leave. Right. So why are we the only industry that's saying, yeah, we'll float you for 30 days. And if you decide to pay, and then we have to hound to try to get that money. It just didn't make sense. We put it on ourselves because nobody ever took the initiative to say, we need payment either before we start or right after we're done. Yeah. I just had a repair on my vehicle, James, and the total bills like 1900 bucks for, for the repair. And when I ordered it, they're like, well, we need to take a deposit you know, just so we can order the parts. And then they gave me a date when it's scheduled. So I have to bring my vehicle in the morning and I'll get it back in the afternoon. This is like three weeks out until I can even, you know, they get the part and they get scheduled. Everything's kind of backed up. So I was like, okay. So anyways, 1900 bucks. So they're like, uh, you know, we need a deposit. I'm like, okay. And you know, I called with my card or whatever, and it was 1470. So $1,470. 
I'm not good with the percentages, but you know, they, that's like a 75% deposit and, and I'm not even getting the service for three weeks. And you know, that's vehicle repair maintenance this is a reputable comp, you know, company or whatever. But I think that's a good point that you made all these other industries do this. And, and somehow we're like, you know, Oh, well, pay me when you get paid next week or whatever. I lost so much sleep, James, over when I got started, a guy, uh, didn't pay me $180. That's why I was charging him per month. And I remember, I, I mean, I lost sleep over it. I was trying to collect it from the guy. No, he never did pay me. I didn't go to collections or anything like that, but it was a lesson learned because I was, you know, giving him the invoice at the end of the month and he was supposedly going to send me a check and he never did. Um, but it all could have been avoided if I would just do what you're doing, you know, getting the payment information on file from day one. Yeah. And I mean, back then too, I don't really know if QuickBooks did that, right? The QuickBooks desktop back in the day when I first started, when you first started, Paul, mm -hmm. um, but everything's so much easier now where somebody can just call you over the phone, you can type it in and anybody that has access to your QuickBooks can't see what that banking information is. It'll just show the last four of their right. credit card or the bank account numbers. So it's saved in there. It's secure. Um, but we have to start doing it for everybody. Right. And a big thing too is, is no matter how much you think it's needed or not needed, it's your business. You can do whatever you want. So don't let somebody else tell you, I'm going to pay you, you know, right after by check. No, it doesn't have to be that way. Cause it's my business. This is our policy. This is what we're going to stick by. We need this to operate optimally. And I recommend too, just trying to find if, if there is a collection agency, we use a great one here in Omaha that, um, once we communicate with the customer, hey, this is this is already 30 days past due. We've stopped services. So you're not continuing to do more and more and more and then get further in the hole. And then say, if we don't get payment by this date, this is going to go to this collection agency. So we turn everything over to them and then they put a lien on the property or they take them to court, whatever it is. But then we get 50% back if they collect. And most everything they've been able to collect on because people will eventually find out they can't, their credits hurt or they can't sell their house or whatever it is and then pay. So, I mean, that's one thing that you don't have to worry about anymore. If you can just offload it to an agency, just to collect 50 or 50% 50 to save your time is still very helpful. Yeah, totally. Well, James, what about the follow-up process and sales? Can you elaborate a little bit more on your tips for follow-up? Yeah. So if you have access to a CRM, I highly recommend it. Some kind of CRM that'll either send emails or notifications, but for, for hours, you have to always check up on them. So even if it's the next day, if it's within a couple of days, if it's in a week, Hey, just give them a call and say, I want to make sure that you got the estimate because sometimes it goes to spam and I want to make sure that you got it. Or we typed in the wrong email address. There's probably a percentage that never even got it that wanted to sign up. So the quicker you can follow up the moment you send that estimate, the higher your conversion rate's going to be. And if you don't hear from them with a, an email, if you don't hear from them with a call, then send them a text, send them a video text. But it's got to be consistent and um, constantly be be touching that that new lead or that nurturing that new lead because you need to figure out why they're not going with you or if they even got the estimate, like I said. So when you're talking to them, say, Hey, is it something about price? Is it about the scheduling time? And what is it? Because if, you know, if they need it by this weekend, then it's, it's just not possible. 
like they've got a grad party this weekend, but they want a $20,000 landscape done in three days. Like it's not going to happen. But um, I mean, we've had tons of those and we say on the front end though, first, this is where we're at. You know, it's going to be July, August. So if they're already going to say, yeah, I need it by June 20th, that we don't even have to worry about putting in all that time and effort into an estimate. But a lot of people just want to either ask questions about the estimate or they're going to tell you the feedback. It was too high for us right now. It's um, not good timing or I never got the estimate. It's going to be one of those, right? But if it's a landscape project, at least you can talk to them of, okay, what's your, what's, what would you like the price to be at? And we can maybe do it in phases. Let's do the front yard this year. Let's do the backyard next year. Let's cut out this um, these four trees that are $5,000. And we can plant those anytime because they're not attached to the landscaping. So you can still work with them and find out what their their pain points were with that estimate. But without calling them and with just leaving it open and you know hoping that they call you, that's not how business works. So typically it's going to take anywhere from like four to 10 times of follow-up before you convert that person. And it might not just be this year. You could follow up with them even next spring. Hey, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, we saw we did a irrigation estimate for you for a new system. Did you happen to get that done last year? No. Okay. Well, let me requote it for you for this year. So you can still follow up with them over the course of the next six months. But if it's a mowing or fertilizing, anything like that, that's an easy sale. Like right now, you have to touch them. You have to constantly be following up with them, whether it be, like I said, text, video message, email, phone call, like use all of them. And if it's a big commercial, show up at their office, like show up with the proposal, with the estimate after you've already emailed it, continue to, you know, touch base with that contact because they might just forget it. They might be putting it on the back burner. So you want to make it important to them to get that done. That's so good, James. Is I know this is you know a topic we could do uh, every episode for the rest of the year on on sales. It, it, it's endless, you know, in the way that we. It, it's like a psychology to to get the customer to you know hire us. But is there anything you kind of want to close with that that we're leaving out of um, your process and and what you find most effective to to seal the deal? You know, the biggest thing is just staying on top of like, you don't want to let anything go through the cracks. So no matter where you're at, who you're meeting first, just make sure that you're treating everybody with the utmost respect because they could be your next big customer or they could lead you to the next big customer. Even though they don't want to do any services with you, they could pass your information on to their boss that owns a big business or somebody that owns a bunch of franchises or somebody with a $5 million house. So always look at people that way that you come across for, across with. Um, and in addition to that, I mean, you just always have to think, how can I better serve these people? What can make their life easier? Because that's the biggest thing we're doing. We're actually giving people time back to spend time doing what they love. So if you look at sales that way, then it's not really selling. We're just helping people. And that's why you follow up really well. That's why you create a detailed estimate. That's why you do all of this stuff to ensure that you're helping somebody else live a better life. So let us take care of everything so you can have a better life. You can play golf. You can do all of this stuff that will, you know, help you out and then help our business out too. So good. Well, I appreciate your input on today's program, James. How can our listeners uh, connect with James Mansky? 
Sure. Yeah. I'm on all social platforms, James Mansky or jamesmansky.com. And you can find more information. And I'm always happy to help with anything you guys might be going through. Just shoot me a message and uh, be happy to hear about your current situation or what you're struggling with. Cool. Well, thank you for your time, James. Thanks, Paul. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Well, guys, I hope you've enjoyed it. Today's program and as we've been having these discussions throughout the spring and summer about sales, one of the obvious elephants in the room is that we all need to increase our prices. Just think about it. Fuel's going up, labor's going up, equipment's going up, and I can go on and on and on down the list. That's just an operating cost of running our business. So you get into your personal life, more than likely the groceries are going up and things of that nature. And I understand if, if we're shopping at Whole Foods, Maybe it's time to shop at Aldi's and, and, and really consider personal finance of uh, taking a look at our expenditures, our, our outflow and tightening things up. I think we all can improve on that, or at least I can personally, but we also need to work on the flip side of that is the income, is the inflow. And so how can we be great at both? Meaning we're, we're running as tight as we can with the outflow and not, not blowing money where it's unnecessary. And how can we actually increase our prices, grow our revenues. And the obvious way that we can do that is by raising our prices. So if you guys need help communicating to your customers uh, your new price so that they gladly accept your price increase, we have the secret price increase letter template for you that you must use. I'm telling you guys, this template works. Ask Jason Cease from Lake Taps. Ask Jason from Pennsylvania. These guys are telling you it's a proven method that works. Let me read this quote real quick from Jason Skiles, Mr. Producer. This pumps me up. He's a police officer from Pennsylvania. Just want to say thank you again for the price increase letter. We talked at the summit in Baltimore in January. I put out the letter to my fertilizer program clients and didn't lose one single account. I raised my pricing on all aspects of my business as well, mulching, edging, planting, etc. I'm busier than ever right now, wishing I could retire from that old police job that seems to be getting in the way. Anyway, thanks for get, thanks again. Have a great spring. So Jason used our price increase letter, emailed it out to his customers. All his customers gladly accept the new price. Here's what Jason C says from Washington. Same name, different guy. <laughs> Part of the country. Old Lake Taps Landscape and said, I used Paul's price increase letter this off-season in February and sent it out to all my clients for a minimum of 10% increase and was able to get 100% acceptance rate from all my lawn maintenance clients. The great decision to raise your prices on a yearly basis. Guys, the price increase letter can help you effectively communicate with your customers that you have a brand new price. And that template's available at the Resource Center at thegreenindustrypodcast.com. I'm getting the nonverbals from Mr. Producer not to overdo it. But guys, for crying out loud, please raise your prices. This template makes it so easy to do so. So you can click on it in today's show notes to get to the resource center at thegreenindustrypodcast.com. And uh, it's super easy to get the, the template for our price increase letter. Plug and play in your information and get that sent out to your customers. Hope today's show has helped you in your business. Thanks for listening. I hope to catch you on the next episode. This has been a Jameson Media and Mr. Producer production.